What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Cake House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs, it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today. And don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition of the show. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. Recording Thursday afternoon, we are presented by Total Beverage today. Before we jump into the show, we got a great show planned. Mid-season awards time, one of my favorite shows of the year. But a quick word from our friends at Total Beverage. Right now, they've got a really awesome deal going on for BSN listeners, exclusively for BSN listeners. They're delivering beer, wine, liquor, spirits to anywhere in the North Metro area, all the way from Wheat Ridge to Erie. You can get anything you want from Total Beverage delivered. And right now, they're offering a really sweet deal like I said, for BSN listeners and BSN listeners only, you can get $10 off a $50 order or more on their website and app using promo code BSN10. So again, hit up Total Beverage, hit up their website and app, punch in that promo code BSN10, and you're going to get $10 off a $50 purchase and have it delivered right to your door. So make sure to check out Total Beverage for all your beer, wine, liquor, and spirits needs. And they deliver now anywhere from... Wheat Ridge to Erie. All right, Christian, midseason awards time. We've got MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player, Best Bench Player, Best Win, Worst Lost, Best Performance of the Year as well. I think we want to start with our MVP. So we'll go from three to one. We've got a top three for each of these. We'll start with MVP. Who is third on your MVP ballot for the Nuggets so far? Wind. 
Glad to be doing this one again. I had a lot of fun last year. MVP, we're jumping right into it. Um, third of my list is Paul Millsap. I would say the decision between second and third was pretty tricky for me. You know, I think what it comes down to, um, the advanced numbers kind of favor Paul Millsap and the counting numbers favor Jamal Murray. Um, I went with Jamal second and Paul at third just because, number one, the amount of games. Jamal has played seven more games than Paul. He's been available every game this year. Paul missed a couple there because of that broken toe. And two, I know Jamal hasn't been terribly efficient this year. He's picking it up lately, but I still think just being the guy that's going to shoot 20 times every game and you know being a fairly reliable scorer for this team, um, as well as Jamal's improvements as a playmaker, is why I gave him the edge. Yeah, I think we've got the same top three here. We've both obviously got Jokic first, but I've got Paul three as well. He was actually my second most valuable guy for a lot of this season, especially the first month and a half to two months of the year, I'd say, before he got hurt. Because if you remember, Denver was pretty much a top five, top six defense for the first month and a half of the season. And Paul Millsap was the main reason why. We know he's a game changer on that end of the floor. He's Denver's most valuable defender by far, in my opinion. And just because they had gained so much ground on that end of the floor, and he was giving Denver some good things on offense too. He was number two for most of the season. But as Denver's defense has kind of dropped off, his value has dropped off a little. So that's why I've got him third. And Jamal second. I think Jamal's been Denver's second most impactful player so far this year. With how much Gary Harris has been in and out of the lineup, with Will Barton missing pretty much the entire season so far, Jamal stepped up in a big way. And I know sometimes even I overvalue scoring, and I think scoring's a little overrated, I guess I would say. But I mean, what Jamal's done from a scoring standpoint... I don't think should be pushed under the rug. I mean, the, what he's done scoring the ball at 21 years old, it hasn't been done by many guys in this league before. And uh, he's taken on a lot of responsibility this year. And so just from a value standpoint, I think it's pretty clear in my mind that he's number two. It's crazy for a 21-year-old guy to be number two overall. And uh, he scored the ball great. His efficiency is picking up here after starting the season in a slump. Uh, but he's done a lot this year. Yeah, he's up to 18.5 points per game. Coming into the season, I thought there was a pretty good chance he could average north of, of 20 points per game. I actually think there's a, a chance he still could get there. I, I know Will Barton is coming back, and you know Will is going to be a scorer as well, but Jamal is really picking it up um, from a scoring standpoint. He, he's up to 33 or 34% from three-point land, so mm-hmm. I mean, for much of the year, he was below 30%. That's, that's risen really sharply in a hurry. And I also think Jamal, you know, does a little more of the dirty work than we probably often talk about as well. He's a really good screener. Um, That's often how he gets his own shot by just setting really good screens. We've seen the Nuggets go to that funky 5-1 pick and roll. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's 12th league wide among guards and offensive rebounds. He grabs one per game. And, you know, Jamal, I think has been fine on the defensive end this year. There's still times when he loses focus, but Jamal is a guy who's willing to do the dirty work as well. Yeah, sure. And I agree with you there. That's another thing that he's got in his back pocket. And you mentioned his availability before. And we know in this day and age in the NBA, availability is a skill, right? And the fact that Jamal's played in all 43 games, whereas Paul's only played in 35. And I'm sure Paul would have played in all 43 if he hadn't broken his toe, of course. But you know, Jamal, he's played through injuries before. Uh, he's played through a lot of injuries this year, shin contusions, rolled ankles. 
stuff going on elsewhere. So he's so durable, and you know the fact that he toughs out injuries throughout the course of a normal 82-game season, I think, bumps him up, too. We're two and a half seasons into Jamal Murray's career. He's missed one game. Right. And that was because of a concussion. Right. Like, he, he wanted to play in that game, and he just didn't have a choice. Right. Like I like to say, you've got to wheel him off in a stretcher and, like, holster him down in the locker room to prevent him from getting back on the court. He was spitting up blood into that Gatorade cup on his way back to the locker room uh, the other night and just comes back in like it's nothing. Yeah, shoot around today, uh, <laughs> Jamal was kind of asked where his physicality comes from, and he mentioned, you know, growing up, he did kung fu with his dad. He did some wrestling with him. Yeah. He did some sparring. I like this anecdote. He said his dad used to put him in, like, weird headlocks and wrestling holds, and he would just have to get himself out of it. Right. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the stories that those two have, Jamal and, and his dad, you could probably write a book on. So good stuff there. Number one, we've both got Nicole Jokic. I think it's pretty clear. I wrote at the beginning of the year, I thought this was going to be the year of Nicole Jokic. He was really going to just take a big leap, not only just production-wise, scoring, rebounding, playmaking, but also just from a national perspective and just gain a lot more notoriety for his play. And that's happened. This has been a huge year for Jokic in terms of his play on the court and just raising his uh, clout, as I like to say, off the court. And he's likely heading to his first All-Star appearance this year. He seems like a lock at this point. 19.7 points, 10.1 rebounds, seven and a half assists per game. It's a monster year. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty remarkable that the Nuggets are second in the Western Conference, and Will Barton has missed 38 games, Gary's missed 18, and Paul Millsap has missed eight. Those are three of Denver's top five players, and they've combined to miss 64 mm -hmm. games. I mean, lately, Jokic has just put the team on his back and carried them. That, that win against Portland was just remarkable, what he did. You know, going for 40 and 15 of 23 shooting. One of the one of the best individual performances of his career, in my opinion. Um, Jokic is probably going to finish with the second most assists per game by a center ever. He's at seven and a half right now. Um, man, I, I wonder if one day Jokic could, could get to 10. Um, I mean, I know that's still a, a long way to climb, but what he's doing from a passing perspective from a center has never been done before. And I think where Jokic has grown the most and I guess is debatable he's grown a lot in the defensive end but I think he's also grown a lot from a leadership standpoint yeah we're hearing Jokic speak up and and kind of be the voice for this team and I guess accept being the face of the franchise and I think we saw that in flashes last year down the stretch when he was so good when the Nuggets were fighting for their playoff lives but I've never seen him embrace it like this. Yeah, I think he's grown a lot on the court with his skill but he's probably grown even more behind the scenes uh, as a vocal guy and he's never going to be the type of rah-rah leader that some might want him to be, but he's could be a lead by example type guy. And there, there's a lot of value to that too. All right, moving on here, defensive player of the year. Who do you have third overall in your defensive player of the year voting? This was kind of a tough one for me. Um, I think there's a, a case that you could definitely have him higher, but I, I've got Mason Plumley third. Okay. He's been a, you know, just a, a superstar in his low usage role. Uh, Plumlee is first on the team in blocks. He's second in steals, uh, leads the team in stocks, the, uh, the steals plus box yeah. blocks that Bill Simmons made up. Plumlee, I mean, I think he probably gives the best effort, the most consistent effort on this team. I mean, he's just a madman every time he goes out there. And I, I mean, I really thought about putting him in the top two, but settled on three. I've got Plumlee on my list too. 
I've actually got him number two overall. I think he's been super valuable there. Three, I've got Torrey Craig, actually. And, you know, you pull people in Denver, in the Denver media, they seem kind of divided on Torrey Craig and how he is as a defender. But I admit sometimes he might be a little overrated in that capacity, but he's done a lot of huge things, a lot of really valuable things for Denver on the defensive end of the floor this year. If you go back, say, a month or so, uh, two, three weeks or so, he had that stretch where he was defending the likes of Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, Trey Young, Mike Conley, uh, Kemba Walker, and really holding those guys in check. He he held all those five point guards to a combined 19-67 shooting across five games. Really all all-star caliber guys except for Trey Young. So he's been really valuable for Denver as a defender, and especially stepping into the starting lineup. I mean, this was a two-way player last year. Somebody Denver signed out of Australia. I think he's played really above what anybody could have expected him to over the last two seasons. And he's been valuable for Denver. You know, he's not always, he's not the lockdown guy. He's not like a Tony Allen on defense. But for a team that hasn't had a lot of really good perimeter defenders over the last couple of years, he's taken on a 30-plus minute per game role. And I think he's been a plus on that end of the floor if you just look at what he's done from game one to you know, game 42 or wherever we're at right now. Yeah, I've got I've got Tory second uh, on my list. I mean, they just throw him on basically the best perimeter player every single night. Mm-hmm. And I think Tory is a little bit better at guarding the point guards and the shooting guards than he is at, at those small forwards. I think he's done a great job this year on Russell Westbrook. I think back to that game, um, I, I believe it was in December, where he frustrated Westbrook into just an awful, awful shooting night. Um, and the Nuggets won the second night of a back-to-back in OKC. He's done a really nice job on Damian Lillard at times this year. So, yeah, Torrey has been really valuable, and he plays a thankless role in this Nuggets team. I mean, he just goes out there and guards the opposing team's best player and pretty much shoots when he's open and hits the glass. Yeah, he doesn't care if he starts, if he comes off the bench, if he plays three minutes or 30 minutes. He's always going to give the Nuggets 100% effort, and that's valuable. That's valuable for sure when you have a guy who you're just looking to plug holes with. Second, I've got Plumley, the guy you had third. For most of this year, he was like a top five center in defensive rating. He's high up or was high up for most of the year on the defensive RPM leaderboard for centers. Kind of the linchpin defensively of the Nuggets second unit. And if you remember when he's played with Jokic, that front court and that starting lineup was really solid defensively when those two were on the floor together. And uh, Plumlee, more athletic this year. Of course, he had that offseason surgery for that core muscle injury that he was playing through last year. He's getting up and down the floor. He's probably Denver's best rim protector, you know, so he's second on my list. Number one, I'm sure it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. Um, I, I've got Paul Mills up on my list. Um, you know how LeVar Ball spoke Lonzo Ball going to the Lakers into existence? Paul Millsap has spoke the Nuggets being a decent defense into existence. He said the Nuggets were going to be a top five defense back at training camp. They were for much of the early part of the season. They've fallen out a little bit. I believe they're at 10th overall in defensive rating. Yeah, I was going to say maybe you should make another public declaration to get that (laughs) defense going in the right direction again up to the top five. Yeah, um, I mean, what Paul does on the court is is impressive, and I don't think you should discount what, what he does in the locker room and off the court too. I mean, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's made the other guys on the team care about defense a little bit more too. He's made them realize that 
you know, defending at a high level should be a priority. Well, when you see a four-time All-Star who's been probably a top 50 player in the league for most of his career until these last couple of years, and he's probably arguably still a top 50 guy, but you see a guy like him dedicate himself to defense, and I'm sure it goes on behind the scenes in film room and whatnot, in practice. When you see a vet like him who's been through so much and accomplished so much in this league pay that type of attention to detail on the defensive end of the floor, that's going to inspire other guys, and particularly younger guys, to just pay a little more attention to uh, team defense. Right now, the Nuggets have a 104.7 defensive rating with Paul Millsap on the court. When he's off the court, that number jumps up to 108.3. So a huge disparity there. And he, he's, I said it once, I'll say it again, he's a game changer on the defensive end of the floor. I feel like he's one of the best help side defenders in the league. You know, even up there with guys like Draymond. And uh, I don't know if he's at that level, but what he does as a help defender, it's, it's really cool to watch. Yeah, he's such a good transition defender, too. How many mm-hmm. times this season have we seen he's the only guy back on defense and there are two or three offensive players coming at him and, right. and he shuts the, the transition break down like that. It's pretty impressive. Um, Paul Millsap might be the most respected guy in this Nuggets locker yeah. room. I mean, four-time All-Star and, you know, he's a fairly quiet guy, but when he speaks, people listen. I mean, he's a great player, but he's completely selfless, too. I mean, I, I think Jokic is a big reason why this team doesn't really have egos. And I think Paul is as well. Sure. All right. Let's hit one more before we take a break here. Most improved player. I've got Nikola Jokic number three here. And uh, I mentioned a lot of those points earlier when I was talking about his MVP case for this team. And he's looked like a better player in multiple facets of his game, both on the court And he's also looked like a better player off the court, too. He's up to scoring this year. His rebounding is about the same, averaging about half a rebound less this year than last year. Uh, Assists are up almost one and a half assists per game this year. Uh, So he's he's handing out more dimes. Field goal percentage up from last year. Three-point percentage, of course, way down. I that, That one's still baffling to me. I'm not sure why he hasn't shot the three ball as well as he had last year. He's not shooting... uh, He's just not shooting at the same rate he was last year. Shot it near 40% from three last year. Still down near 32% this year. I think that will take a little bit of an uptick. But the biggest improvement, I think, in Nikola Jokic's game is um, kind of what you were getting at earlier. Just taking over late in games, recognizing that he's the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands. Late in fourth quarters in clutch situations, he leads the league in clutch plus minus since December 1st. He's also among the leaders in the league for the entire year on clutch field goal percentage. He's up over 50% from the field in clutch situations. So Denver's gone to him time and time again, late in games when they really need a bucket. And that, in my opinion, is one of the biggest areas where he's grown just as a late game scorer and a guy who knows, all right, the ball is going to come to me and you know I'm going to have to make a move or I'm going to have to make a pass if guys come to double. So uh, he always makes the right play, but particularly late in games, how he's been looking for the ball, been calling for the ball, uh, I've seen a lot of growth in that area. Yeah, the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the league in terms of record when the score is within five. I mean, Jokic has been dynamite lately in those those close situations. I've got Jokic three as well. Um, you know, I think we had a, a pretty good idea that he could be this guy when we just saw him ball out for the last month, last six weeks of last year. That was a pretty good preview of what we're seeing now. Um, number two on my list, Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. The guy is shooting... 43% from three-point land. I would have thought you were on crazy pills if you told me that before the start of the season. 
I think a lot of you know his improvement as an outside shooter has to do with the work he put in this summer. Monte was in the gym pretty much any time we were at Pepsi Center. I, I feel like the, the guy really put in the work. You know, we just didn't get to see Monte in the rotation last year. He didn't really get get a chance, and I wonder, you know, how good he was last year. I yeah, mean, yeah. He, I mean, I think he's definitely improved, but it's hard for me to say how much because I, we just didn't get a whole lot of tape of him with the Nuggets last year. Um, and he's obviously done a phenomenal job running that second unit. And then number one on my list is another bench guy, Malik Beasley, who's also above 40% from three-point land. It's crazy that the Nuggets' backup backcourt are, are both shooting above 40%. I would have believed me, you know, if you told me Murray and Harris were going to shoot above 40%, right. I'd be like, oh, yeah, for sure, that's a lock. But it's been the backups, and Malik, he's playing such under-control basketball. It's something the Nuggets coach has been trying to drill into his brain you know, I think he really worked a lot on balance this summer. He, he looks so balanced there on the floor. And Malik and Monte, to me, are, are two guys who are proof that if you just put in the work during the summer, you, you can make real gains. For sure. I left Monte off this most improved list just because I kind of consider this his rookie year. But, I mean, everything you said was right. I've got Malik second. Um, he looks like a completely different player than he was last year. He was a guy last year who was hesitant and when he did shoot the ball, sometimes he had some really ugly misses. You just never thought that ball was going in. This year, it's the opposite. Every time he's open from three, now I think that shot is going in. He's at 41.5% from three on the year on a lot of attempts with that second unit. He's stepped into the starting lineup here really just seamlessly, seamlessly or as seamlessly as the Nuggets really could have hoped for in place of Gary Harris. In January, Malik Beasley is 26 of 57 from three across nine games. That's 46%. Ooh. So he's just been lights out this month from three, and a lot of those games are these last, what, five? He's been in the starting lineup for, so he's playing alongside the starters, which is really good experience for him. And now the next facet of his game is what can he do with the ball in his hands, right? Can he develop some more one-on-one -on -one moves? Can he get to the hole consistently? Can he become a second-side pick-and-roll guy? Because now you know, he's kind of more of a 3-and-D guy, but he's definitely got the ceiling to be a guy who can do a lot of different things on the offensive end. And, and I agree with you, man. The work that he put in this summer, and we've both chronicled it well, it's really proof that if you have a good work ethic and you have the natural gifts that a lot of these guys in the NBA do have, you can really climb as high as you want in this league. Number one, I've got Jamal Murray. Um, and I think he's improved a lot this year. One, as a scorer, but two, as a true point guard, especially from the beginning of the year to right now. How many times and how much energy do we spend talking about the passes Jamal Murray was having trouble with at the beginning of the year? The just little post-entry passes to Jokic on the block or on the elbow. We don't have to talk about those a lot anymore because he's gotten so much better at that facet of the point guard and the point guard position. And also, the improvement that he's underwent this year holds a little more weight with me because he's playing 35 minutes a night, uh, you know, whereas a guy like Monte or, or a Malik or, a, you know, anybody else on the bench doesn't have that big of a role in that spotlight cast on him. So I think Jamal's improved a lot this year. He got off to a rough start, but what he's done over the last two and a half, three months bumps him up for me. There was a great moment after that Portland Trailblazers game where Jamal and Nicola both made big shots down the stretch for Denver to pull out that win. 
Jokic just ran over to Jamal and, and hugged him after he grabbed that offensive rebound and hit those what were essentially game-sealing free throws. I think the connection between those two was spotty at the beginning of the year. I think yep. it's been fantastic lately, and that's a wonderful sign for Denver. I mean, just them going to the two-man game is something to lean on late in close situations is so encouraging to see. And Jamal has has been better as a passer. I mean, he's finding Jokic in the pick and roll. He's getting the ball to his spots. He's averaging nearly five assists per game, uh, about one and a half more assists per game than last year. So, you know, I didn't have Jamal on my list, but he's definitely gotten better as well. All right, let's go ahead and hit a break real quick. When we come back, we've got best bench player, best win, worst loss, and my favorite category, best performance of the year. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition of the program. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here going over our mid-season awards. We are presented by Total Beverage today. And if you guys have a second, we'd really appreciate a five-star review over on iTunes I know it's annoying for us to ask for. It's annoying to say, but it helps us grow the show, helps us know you guys appreciate the content we're putting out on a daily basis. So if you have 15 seconds, that's literally all it takes. Please head on over to iTunes and drop us a five-star review. Best bench player? Who you got third overall for your best bench player? It's going to be a little overlap with what we talked about already, I guess. But uh, Malik Beasley, three. Plumley two. For me, and then Monte Morris won. Um, okay, we have the same list. Same list? Yep. <laughs> okay, well, we promised we did this independently. <laughs> Why do you have Monte number one uh, over those guys? I think from game one through now, he's been the most consistent. And I know his production has kind of dropped off a little over the last, I don't know, two, three weeks. But he's been so solid. And if you're looking for one reason why this bench unit this year looks so much more improved than the bench unit last year. It's got to be Monte Morris. Granted, he was replacing Emmanuel Moutier, who was a big negative for this team, whereas, I don't know, Malik Beasley was replacing Will Barton, right, who was coming off the bench last year a lot. So uh, there's more room for Morris to, I guess, improve on his predecessor than a guy like Beasley or even a guy like Plumley who was here last year. But, I mean, Monte has just been so solid. We know all about the assist-to-turnover ratio. His shot has been much improved this year, much improved than I thought it would be. And he's just so steady. You know what you're getting with Monte Morris, which can't be said for some guys on this bench unit. Uh, he's 
just never high or never too low. He, he's always consistent. And uh, he's closed a lot of games for Denver, too, when they've been ravaged by injuries like they've been for a lot this year. So he's number one for me. I just feel like he's been the most constant guy, the most consistent guy, and just kind of been the glue to that unit. Yeah, I mean, he just makes everyone look so much better, too, because he gets you the ball in exactly the spots that you want. The ball is always in your shooting pocket, I feel like, when he's hitting you for a spot up. He just he just does those little things that, that make everyone a little bit better. And I think there's a case to be made that the Nuggets have gone from having the worst backup point guard situation in the entire league last year. They're having to throw Will Barton in at backup mm-hmm. point guard in a pinch because Emmanuel Moutier obviously didn't pan out. To this year... Having the best backup point guard situation in the NBA, I, I think there's a real case to be made. 167 assists to 29 turnovers, which is just absurd. Monte has played the fourth most minutes on the Nuggets team. That just is a good indicator of the trust Michael Malone has in him. You know, Michael Malone's been honest. He didn't think Monte was capable of this. Nobody did. So it's it's just been remarkably impressive from him. Anybody else you were considering putting on this list I know we have the same three but it's tough because with how injured the Nuggets have been this year there's not that many other bench players to choose from Wancho's been a starter more than he's been a bench guy this year and so Torrey Craig he's he's been a starter a lot this year I mean there's just not a lot of other options I guess yeah I mean uh shout out to the Nick Young era he didn't do enough to make this (laughs) list he wasn't here enough but those were fun two weeks for sure All right, let's move on here. Best win of the year. This was a tough one because, hey, there were a lot of wins that could have qualified for this award. A lot of tough road victories, which uh, were the three I chose, I believe. But where do you have uh, the best win of the year? We'll go from three to one as well. So your third best win of the season for this team. All right, well, I, f- I feel like we might be all over the place on these because, like you said, there are a ton of them to pick. Um, number three, I went with the no- November 3rd home win over Utah. Denver won 103-88. to Just from the midpoint of the third quarter until the end of the game, it was just a bloodbath. Like It was like seeing a gladiator kill like 12 people or something mm-hmm. like that. Pepsi Center was going nuts. Uh, that was part of that 9-1 start, which... You know, pretty good indicator right off the bat. And Nuggets are going to have a really good year. That was a really fun one. Yeah, that was a great game for sure. All three of mine, I went with road wins because that's one of the biggest reasons why the Nuggets are where they're at right now because they've been solid on the road where they were terrible on the road last year. Third on my list, though, so I guess my third most impressive road win of the year, I've got 113-112 over Portland. Anytime the Nuggets play Portland – it's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. I can't remember the last game where it was like a blowout when these two teams played each other. This would be an awesome first-round playoff series, by the way, the Nuggets and Trailblazers. And also, Portland's a really tough place to play. That's uh, somewhere where Denver's had a lot of trouble in the past. And so to go up there and to get a win, this put Denver at 15-7 and seven on the year. It was their sixth road win. And uh, anytime you get a win in Portland is big. So that's really why I had this one, number three. Number two on my list is 106-103 at Toronto. This is arguably the best win of the Michael Malone era in my book. I mean, to go into Toronto, a team that's arguably been, probably been the best team in the Eastern Conference this year, they probably have a case to be uh, the best team in the league, 
and get a win on their home court against Kyle Lowry, against Kawhi Leonard when that Toronto team was playing really well. Pascal Siakam went off in this game. Um, This was a huge win. It was one of the best wins of the season for sure. One of the best wins under Micah Malone. Nikola Jokic had a big triple-double in this game. 23 points, 11 rebounds, 15 assists. He was a plus 15 in a three-point win. Denver rode him to this victory. And, uh, yeah, that's number two on my list. I actually had that number two as well. Um, (laughs) Jokic, that was one of the best passing games I've ever seen from him in his career, which is is really saying something. He threw that, that, like, no-look sidewinder to Jamal Murray in the corner. That was just an insane pass. He also threw the ball in, like, over his head from three-point range. It it didn't count. Right. That was a pretty sweet play. Yeah. Oh, man, that was hilarious. That was that was a phenomenal win. Um, this was also one of Malik Beasley's better games of the season. Six of eight from the field, three of three from three-point range for 15 points. When I talked uh, with his trainer, Mark Campbell, and I wrote a big feature on Malik Beasley, and Mark was talking to me about matrix moments that Malik had, kind of turning points in his development. One of the biggest ones was over the summer when he was playing pickup games with a bunch of other NBA guys at Loyola Marymount University in L.A. in early to mid-August. He just balled out over that week, and it was a big turning point for his confidence. Another one was when he hit a big late game three in this Toronto game to put Denver up by three, which is what they ultimately won by. But it was late in the fourth quarter, around two minutes remaining. He confidently stepped into this three-pointer and knocked it down. That was what his trainer thought was a big turning point for Malik and just in terms of his confidence. And that's true. He's gone on to really have a great month or so since then. Yeah, and Gary Harris got injured in this game. He only played nine minutes. So the Nuggets essentially pulled this one out on the road against a really good team without, I don't know, their second or third best player. Mm -hmm. Number one, and we might have the same one here. Oh, you want me to go first? Okay. Uh, I picked November 24th, 105-98, to 98, a win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's the one I've got, too. This is an unbelievable win. This was a game I was joking with a lot of people when they were heading out to OKC. You know, maybe this is the game you look to rest a couple guys in because I just thought there was no chance of Denver winning this one. Maybe you sit Paul Millsap down, give him a rest. Maybe you lighten the load on Nikola Jokic this night, uh, but no dice. Denver goes into OKC. Torrey Craig plays phenomenal defense on Russell Westbrook, holding him to 623 shooting, 1 of 12 from 3. He still does get the triple-double, but was not very impactful in this game. Just an unbelievable win all around, I thought. Yeah, Torrey Craig's defense on on Russell Westbrook that game was so, so good. I mean, to go into a a tough place to play in the second night of a back-to-back and pull out a win was was pretty incredible. I mean, the Nuggets are are so much better on, on the road this year. They've been unbelievable at Pepsi Center, but... That's when you know teams are, are kind of for real, when they can go above 500 on, on the road like the Nuggets have done this year. Denver's been really solid in back-to-backs. Any reason why you think they're much better this year than they were last year in, in those situations? <laughs> oh, man. I, I would need to look up Jokic's numbers on the second night of a back-to-back. I, I Just going off memory, I, I think they're really good. It was funny asking Jokic um, just about the Nuggets' success and, and – you know, possibly being fatigued the other night. He said, we cannot be fatigued. <laughs> it's only in the halfway to the point of the right. season. Terminator uh, mode. Yep. I mean, he and Nuggets just seem like they're kind of on a mission this year. So Denver is 6-1 and one in back-to-backs this year. Last year, 
They weren't anywhere close to that. They were 4-11 and for the entire season. So, yeah, I guess Denver could tank in back-to-backs here on no rest, but they've gotten off to a really good start. You mentioned Nikola Jokic. On zero days rest, Nikola Jokic is averaging 22.7 points, 9.0 rebounds, and 6.9 assists per game, scoring more on no rest than his season average and averaging slightly fewer rebounds and slightly fewer assists, but uh, he's been unbelievable on the second night of back-to-backs in in those seven games where Denver's gone 6-1. Yeah, I mean, is Jokic in in better condition than we think? I mean, he doesn't look like the best-conditioned athlete in the world, but he's balling out in second night of back-to-backs. Another big reason is because Denver can rely on their bench more than they were last year. We've spoken about it, but last year Denver did not know what it was getting from its bench. And typically on the second night of back-to-backs, you got to expand your bench a little bit just by nature, maybe go nine or ten deep. But, you know, everybody Denver's got on this roster, I'd say ten deep. They're, they're confident in playing significant minutes. And even a guy like Brandon Goodwin hasn't looked phased when he's gone out there. He's not like he's been a huge liability by any means. All right, worst loss? Not many to choose from, (laughs) but I actually had a tough time finding my third worst loss of the year. And the one I chose, it's a tough one because it's not a bad loss, but just how it went down. I've got the 89-87 loss in Memphis. Of course, the uh, one field goal attempt game from Nikola Jokic. And this game just put a bad taste in everybody's mouth, led to the losing streak, the four-game losing streak. And Again, Memphis isn't a bad loss. It's a tough place to play. Memphis was playing really good at this point in the year, but what that loss led to was why it made this list. So I actually had that as my worst loss of the season. Because, I mean, if Jokic just isn't in a mood that day, the Nuggets win. Like, if he just isn't in a a terrible mood, I I don't know why, really, but they're winning that game. I mean, Jokic didn't shoot until, like, the, the waning seconds of the game and. That was only because the Nuggets just needed somebody to shoot. The shot clock was winding down. They were they were down a bus a basket. He really didn't have any choice unless he just wanted to take a shot clock violation. So I don't know what that was. That was <laughs> that was a weird stretch of the season. And There's a lot going on that day. I, I'm I'm glad we're out of that stretch for sure. What do you have as uh, your second worst loss of the year? I picked December 22nd um, against the Clippers. That was really the first time the Nuggets have gotten beaten down this season. They mm. lost 132-111 to 111 in L.A. Nuggets have only lost by double digits three times this season. They've they've pretty much been competitive almost every single game, and I think that's one of the most impressive things you could say about this team. They're just in every game. Yeah. I didn't have that one on my list. Maybe I should have, but this second-worst loss of the year, I've got that loss in Atlanta. 106-98, I know that was on the last game of that really difficult five-game road trip, the toughest road trip of the year. I know Denver was banged up. They lost Paul Millsap the game before. They were like a car that is running on E, and you're just really hoping you can get to the gas station before it runs out. And then in the third quarter, it ran out. Denver was up 18 points in this game, right? And uh, just could not hold off. The pesky Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Atlanta only has how many wins on the year? Like, not that many. <laughs> They're in the running for Zion. Right. They're trying to position themselves for Zion. And I know Denver was beat up. I know they were out of gas. It was a tough road trip, but, I mean, they should have held off the Hawks. I kind of hope the Hawks get Zion and just shift John, John Collins over to the five and just go, like, 
small ball and play a million miles an hour with right. with Trey Young and Herder and hey, that could be an alright team. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't have that one. Um, okay, third on my list was January twelfth in Phoenix. I mean, anytime you well January twelfth. That was like a couple days ago. But yeah, the loss to the Suns. <laughs> oh, we all remember. We all remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty inexcusable. I mean, Jokic said as much after the game. That was my worst loss of the year. Yeah. 102 93 at Phoenix without Devin Booker. I mean, maybe you got a little bit of a Ewing theory going on there with the Suns, <laughs> but that was a game Denver should have had, especially because they were playing so well. And yeah, like maybe they were looking ahead, or I don't know if to the Trailblazers. I don't. They probably shouldn't have been, but this was a game Denver had to win. It was a surprising loss because the Nuggets had really taken care of the bad teams on their schedule up to that point. That was a big thing for this team this year, right? They had to beat the teams they should have beat because that was one of the main reasons why they were held out of the playoffs last year. They lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Suns. They lost to the Kings. They had some really bad defeats last year, and for most of the season, they've taken care of those teams, really for all the season, except for this uh, Phoenix game. So that's my worst loss of the year. Yeah, I, I can see why. Overall, been a been a phenomenal start to the year. Nuggets are on pace for, what, 56, 55 wins? Just, the, just on pace to shatter the over-under. Right. Yeah, that's why this was a tough category, because there weren't a lot of bad losses. The Nets loss at the beginning of the year at home, that's another one I thought about, but that's have been a formidable team this year. They've beaten a lot of good teams, so I don't think you can really characterize that one there. All right, let's hit another break. We got one more category to get to on the other side. Best performance of the year. This was also a tough one to whittle down to just three. I think I've got two performances tied for my number three on this list. But let's hit another break, and when we come back, we will get to best performance of the year. We'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on a Thursday. The Nuggets host Jim Boylan, our favorite guy, and the Chicago Bulls tonight. We'll see how this one turns out. This should be a good game to get the defense back on track. Wendell Carter Jr. is not playing in this game. Uh, I wonder if it had something to do with like a rule Boylan has. Like you have to practice the day before you play in a game. That was the rule at my high Maybe school. Maybe it was too many push-ups. His thumb got sore doing push-ups. <laughs> my core hurt from doing carpet pushes. <laughs> right. All righty. Best performance of the year. I'll throw it to you. Your third top performance from a Nuggets game this year. Who you got? 
I had Jokic going for 23, 11, and 15 in that road win against the Toronto Raptors, like I mentioned earlier. One of the best passing games I've ever seen from him, which is saying something. Nuggets beat one of the best teams in the NBA, essentially without Gary Harris. Jokic was just a monster, and that that like soccer throw and he threw into the basket from 40 feet away just cracked me up too. <laughs> Style points. Okay. I cheated here. I've got two individual performances for third on my list because I had to talk about both of them. First, this Jokic game from a couple nights ago, 40 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists against Portland. I tweeted this out when he had 28 or 30 points to begin the fourth quarter. thought this was one of the best games Jokic has ever played in his career that I've seen him play. And I've watched Nikola Jokic play every single game he's ever played in Nuggets uniform. This was one of the best. How aggressive he was in the first quarter going at Nurkic. The defense he played on Nurkic I thought was really impressive as well. He was just so hyped up for this game, you could tell. So that's on my list. But I've also got Murray's 47 points against Boston. This was a turning point, I think, when we're going to look back at Jamal Murray's career arc and ascension, just what he did in that fourth quarter, what he did going for 51 points. I think that was very notable. I'm so happy he did that. I think that gave the Nuggets some swagger. I think it gave him some confidence. And so I've got both those tied uh, for number three on my list. You had Jamal's 47-point game against the Celtics number three? Yeah. It was an incredible performance. Oh, I know it was incredible. <laughs> I had a number one. Okay. Why'd you have it number one? Because he made Kyrie like throw the ball like 25 feet into the stands in frustration. That's, yeah. that's the level that he got into the Celtics' heads in that one. And Kyrie just went nuts in his post-game interview. Uh, I mean, Jamal was just incredible. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to- put, his, put the team on his back against a really freaking good Celtics team. I mean... I don't know. What what'd you have above that? Well, above that second, I had Jamal Murray's night in Sacramento. And I know he only scored 36 points this game. Only 36. He had 34 in the second half. This was an unbelievable game from Jamal Murray. One of just the best halves I've ever seen a player play, particularly on the offensive end. This gave me vibes of watching Steph Curry when he's at his peak, like maybe the other night, particularly Curry in 20. 14, 15, or 2015, 16. Just every shot he put up you thought was going in, and he was doing it against double teams, sometimes triple teams. The Kings were sending everybody his way, and he did it on like a really badly sprained ankle too. Uh, just one of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen from uh, Jamal Murray. And then first on my list, I know it was against Phoenix. I know it was uh. early in the season. I know it was against a rookie. But for Nikola Jokic to go for 35 points on a perfect 11 of 11 shooting, a perfect three of three, three point shooting. If he would have made one more free throw, this would have been a perfect triple double, no turnovers. He goes 10 of 11 from the line though, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, put Deandre Ayton in his back pocket. Just an unbelievable dominating performance from Nikola Jokic in the second game of the year. I mean, one of the cleanest, basketball games I've ever watched a player play see I didn't have the one on my list I thought about it but I didn't have the one just because of the opponent I mean the Suns are trash that was essentially DeAndre that was like DeAndre Ayton's second NBA game I, I don't think he really understood how good Jokic was at I don't that think point. he really understood the NBA at that point no no I, I think that was a uh, a welcome lesson for him so 
that was amazing. Um, so I had Jamal's uh, 47 point game against Boston, number one. Number two was Jokic, 40, 10, and eight versus Portland the other night. Made 15 of 23 shots. Just, just absurd. Um, a lot of good performances to choose from. So you, you had two Jamal performances on your list. Mm-hmm. When he's good, he's good. He's, when he's good, he's good. So you had the Jamal Murray Celtics game at number one. I had that Jokic triple double, but yeah. That Murray game, that might be the most fun I've had watching a game at Pepsi Center this year. It was unbelievable to be there for that. Yeah. Oh, man. In- incredible. Incredible. I mean, Kyrie. He, he got in Kyrie's head. That, I feel like that's hard to do. Uh, Jamal Murray living rent-free in Celtics heads, Lakers heads, not Warriors heads yet. <laughs> not no. quite yet. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you guys think. If we missed any top performances from this season, let us know. If you think any of those should have been one, two, or three on our list, let us know on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. Let us know on Twitter as well. If you've got nominations for most improved, best bench player, best win that we didn't consider, let us know as well. Well, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy this Nuggets-Bulls matchup here on Thursday night. We'll be back with another episode on Friday. Talk to you then. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network.